NetNavAir were focused on delivering the capability the fleet needs at a cost we can afford. As global competition increases, it's vitally important that we start with the fleet, change the game, and find innovative ways to deliver the products the fleet needs when they need it. Welcome to Airwaves, the official podcast of the Naval Air Systems Command. I'm your host, Michael Lauren Prue. Today, you're going to meet a team who felt empowered to put ideas into actions, make decisions, and act quickly to deliver a much-needed capability to the fleet. Joining us today from PMA 276, the H-1 Light Attack Helicopter Programs Office, is Program Manager Colonel Vasilius Pappas. We also have Major Eli Bressler, the Avionics IPT Lead. Jim Funyak, Communications Engineer, Matt Moritz, Avionics Lead Systems Engineer, and Major Joshua Westland, Assistant Program Manager for Systems Engineering. Welcome to the show. So as we kick off our podcast today, tell me about the Mobile User Objective System. What is it and why is it so important? MUOS is the next generation of beyond the line of sight capability that the PMA and NAVAIR is already working towards, but it's a little bit far off on the horizon we received a request from a fleet unit to see if there was a alternative or um, faster way that we could get a capability to them in order to be more interoperable with the rest of the MAGTAF. So the challenge is how do we take something we've been planning and forecasting to see in the next few years and get a version of that capability of the fleet fast? So what would you say enabled the team to move fast and speed this capability to the fleet? Matt? What enabled us to move fast here was knowledge of the process and knowledge of existing aircraft systems and existing flight clearances. So we were able to leverage the existing capabilities that we have worked for other programs in the office and utilize those programs and those personnel to prototype this out and get test data quickly, get the final version of these capability of these of these cables so that the fleet could quickly have some like major Bressler said some version of this capability quickly as a fleet user we would normally think about getting something in years not months weeks or even days so the fact that it was you know less than 2 months from main concept to it's actually being used is unbelievably fast. Absolutely. So what drove the sense of urgency? Why was it so important to get this system out quickly? So I think with respect to developing, turning around and delivering a capability quick, part of the story that's probably pretty important is when a request from the fleet comes in to say, hey, can we do this? Can we get the next generation beyond the line of sight capability on the platform? It wasn't initially apparent, but as soon as we looked into it, we realized that not only do we think we can do this, but knowing what is going on with our fleet, we believe we can do it in a way that will support a unit deploying in short order. So the 45-day turnaround time wasn't necessarily an initial target, but it became very important because what that allowed us to do was get this capability out and support a unit getting ready to go out the door. As you moved quickly to deliver this system to the fleet, what obstacles did you face and how did you overcome them? Major Westland? There were some people in the process that didn't really see how this was able to come so fast and were kind of afraid of pushing it out so quickly. And so getting through that, it was a lot of negotiating back and forth and making sure everybody understood so we could get to yes and not just let it die. This was a new process. The idea of it 
hasn't really been fleshed out completely. So there aren't any rules to follow for how to make it happen. So we were kind of, you know, making them up as we went, negotiating between, okay, so we can get this out piecemeal. So a unit that's deployed can use it while we do some more work in the background to then give it to the entire fleet later. I think that from my perspective, something that's important to note is within our PMA and within the team, I think that we're very connected to what our fleet users are looking for in capability. When this request came up, the initial task for the PMA, right, is to look at this and say, is it possible? Is this feasible? Can we do it? I think once we coalesced and realized like this is something worth pursuing and we got a really good shot of delivering a meaningful capability fast, the biggest obstacle I think was communicating to those outside of our PMA to get buy-in. And uh, really that challenge wasn't that significant. It's an obstacle, but once we were able to explain what we were doing, why it's important, and uh, how we thought we could do it, those obstacles really just turned into support. So, I mean, I don't necessarily know if the obstacles that you might think of normally really presented much challenge, right? It, once we got buy-in, it was easy. And Matt, earlier you mentioned the team's knowledge of similar capabilities helping to speed up the process. Yes, there were uh, existing mission kits that we have deployed within our avionics IPT that we were able to leverage. Same radio, just an upgraded software version of it. So from a flight clearance perspective, it was relatively easy to leverage existing work we have done and not reinvent the wheel and try to solve that uh, problem again. Describe the team mindset. How did the team think differently to deliver quickly? In this effort, the team mindset, I don't think is really in whole much different than how we operate on a daily basis. So what's probably an enabler and something that allowed us to move forward, garner support and and do something a little bit unique is being creative, trying to find the most efficient, effective path to our objective is sort of how we do business. We try at least in the IPT and I feel like our PMA is this way to not fall in love with the process, but fall in love with the outcome. The idea that we're going to search for a new or different way to achieve what we're trying to do isn't necessarily a leap for us. It's ingrained in our daily operations. So when an opportunity to do something different came up like this, it was really just another exercise for us to flex that muscle at work. To bring it up a little bit, and it's not just evolution that uh, Major Bressler is mentioning. To me, it's more, it's global, right? It, it all starts with a PMA culture. When you empower your folks to look uh, outside of the box and understand that they have the authority to own the work that they do. Second, you provide them training that allows them to understand the work that they do. That changes the way you do day-to-day business. I'll tell you that uh, this entire evolution occurred as the program manager completely unbeknownst to me (laughs) that this was happening up until endgame, right? In the last five to 10 days was I informed that, hey, this great idea, this ideation occurred during this evolution out on you know, a fleet aircraft uh, talking to a fleet avionics officer who worked with one of our, you know, program management staff. And, you know, they bring this idea all the way through to engineering class desk to the IPT. You take that empowerment and training and then you, you know, add to it the second layer, which is understanding the components you have, understanding the system, understanding the capabilities of the, uh, call it components of the aircraft. And 
taking those two things and turning that into, hey, a solution for a problem that has uh, would not have had a, a solution to it. Uh, it. It would have taken us uh, two, three, four years to go through the normal process and develop an ECP, change the aircraft and modify it and provide it to the fleet. Vice looking back and saying, okay, let's take a step back. Let's see what we currently have configured on the airplane. Let's see what they're asking for. How do we get from this to this in a quick manner? And the fact that they were mission kits capabilities in certain components and that all we really needed to do was harness an antenna from another system, a component uh, that already had an existing capability and a wiring harness. Ipso facto, 45 days later, you've got a capability out to the fleet with a flight clearance. Now, I, the only other piece I'll mention is, you know, the, the pieces that they talk about are hurdles that are just our existing processes. It's good to have a, a process to move forward. It keeps us all aligned to make sure we, we dot I's, cross T's, but that should not be a hindrance. There should be areas of opportunity to accelerate. And, and I feel like that's where the team was able to bound past a lot of these hurdles where once you got the right communication and you engage with the right people and they understood exactly what you were trying to do, it made them you know leap over time, if you will, to be able to execute this thing. That even in the 45 days, if we had gone through the normal processes for the mission kit that we wanted to develop, it would have taken us a, a year or so. And instead it took us 45 days. So the, the one thing I would give folks beyond just the culture of a PMA and empowerment is look for those opportunities and engage. Go to and talk to the people you need advocacy from. If you're not able to get them face-to-face, -face, get them on the phone, get them on Teams, because that's how you're going to get folks to get on board and, and swim in the same direction, you know, row in the same direction and get things out to the fleet. I'll tell you, that's what I saw this team do, right? They, they went out, they engaged with the right folks, and they got the fleet a capability in 45 days. So what would you consider the single most important factor of your success? I would have a hard time saying it's a singular. That's almost like trying to look at it through a soda straw or a stovepipe and say that, oh, if you do just this one thing, it really isn't. Even in the PMA culture, you can't just say, I'm empowering you, right? You have to actually walk the walk and allow folks to breathe. The examples I give to some folks are, if you live your life by your calendar and status everything every minute of every day, you give no time for actual execution. And so that means that you have to take a step back as a leader, whether you're a level three, level two, level one, a PM, let folks go and execute and find the right drumbeat to actually status and give them time to meet milestones and, and not drive non-value added work onto their plate. Uh, and, and I feel like that's step one, right? And, and, and getting folks to buy in, it's a slow process when folks feel like I, I need to I need to get the FaceTime or I need to get this information out. Or instead, how about just go and meet the people you need to meet to get advocacy, get the requirement out the door. And then we can talk about it on the backside. And, and Secretary Gertz used to say, there's nothing that you can do uh, that I can't undo in five minutes, <laughs> right? But again, the point was that, hey, go off and execute. If I need to you know, pull you back a little bit or help you steer in a different direction, that we can do that. It's better to do that than it is to try and light a fire or motivate folks to go and come up with great ideas and, and solve problems. You know, we hit small roadblocks or bumps, hurdles, whatever you might call it. And when people want to say no or add in layers of bureaucracy, paperwork, time, money uh, that are, that's going to delay getting this capability of the fleet by days, weeks, months, whatever. And, you know, through negotiation and working with everybody, not accepting no and working through to do work in parallel to try to get things out faster. That was key. I think from my point of view, the biggest thing I saw was a large amount of teamwork across the board. From the time that we received 
the request from the fleet for this capability to the time we fielded it, there were a lot of moving parts and a lot of different people involved. We were able to utilize an aircraft in Yuma in a very quick turnaround time to conduct the initial testing on. And when we had some success, that spiraled into development of the mission kit concept with the flight clearance and everything else. But like Major Bressler had said earlier, once you had people that understood what you were trying to do and you got their buy-in, everybody just kind of jumped in and said, hey, we can do this. We'll, we'll do it a little quicker than we normally would. And, and it allowed us to get that capability out there. So to me, it was. It was a, a giant team effort, a lot of moving parts, a lot of different people involved all across the country. We've mentioned culture several times in today's podcast. Tell me about the PMA 276 culture. Major Bressler, what makes it special? I think something that, that we do very well at the PMA and something that I, I think probably allowed us to set off on a path that got us into this project and got us the ability to, to be creative and to turn around things quickly is when we're all focused on the same target, right? So we talk a lot about mission. We talk a lot about what the goals of the organization are. And we talk a lot in depth internally during meetings and interpersonally about not only what we're doing, but how we're doing it. What that does when you're in a position like mine as an IPT lead is it gives you a very clear understanding of what your bounds are and what your tasking is and why it's important and who's there to support. So when an opportunity like this comes up, it's easy to set off and say, we're going to go, we're going to do this, right? We know that this is our charge. We know that this is what we should be doing. And, and we're going to do our best to see what we can do to deliver this capability. So a culture in the PMA of everyone pointed at the same target, shooting at the same target, really gives you the opportunity to communicate in a cross-functional environment, right? Because it's not just an IPT. We have a larger group it takes to get this done, whether it's you know, support from procurement and engineering and um, engineering change proposal teams and across the PMA. It really allows us to communicate easily and garner the buy-in you need to do something kind of unique like this. Perfect. What do you think the team learned during this process? And how did you scale that learning across the program? I think something that was of note from my seat, being working in the IPT and, and having a team that works on communication and navigation stuff all the time is that I think we started this effort not really knowing what was possible. We knew we wanted to do it as fast as we could and we wanted to deliver a meaningful capability to the fleet, but we had never done anything this quickly. So a big learning curve for us, I think, was we didn't limit ourselves or set bounds on we're going to get this done in six months or we think this might take a year. The real answer was always, when can we do it? Hey, Jim, when can you hop on a plane? The answer was Friday. Hey, Matt, how long will it take to get drawings for the cables that we needed? Well, let me make a phone call, come back Tuesday, right? Hey, uh, Major Westland, how long is it going to take to get a clearance? We went and asked, hey, you know what? We pushed, we, we didn't accept no, and we found out it'll take two weeks. I think that was a really good exercise and a great way to flex all of our creativity and all the talent on the team to get us to the 45-day objective. Something I think that's very important that came out of this is not only were we able to turn around a request from the fleet, deliver a capability in a short amount of time that I think is going to be very meaningful in their daily operation, but this also informed our path forward on a more deliberate capability that we're going to deliver in the future. 
a lot of the things that we did through the rapid test and evaluation, the rapid design, some of the antenna work and all of the aircraft things that we would normally do, but in a shorter time frame, have really changed our perspective on what's possible when we move forward on delivering an integrated capability into the platform. So huge value there for us. So Colonel, what aspects of this achievement are you the most proud of? The aspect I would say we're most proud of is the the teamwork and the way that the team was able to not only uh, at the IPT, right, as as mentioned earlier in one of the responses, right, it, it is garnering stakeholder engagements that allowed folks to kind of swim in the same direction, as I mentioned, is probably the most most important thing with respect to you know being proud of this evolution. It does take a, a lot of time and effort to get folks to understand what you're doing and how you're doing it, why you're doing it, and then to get them to make time on their busy schedules to listen to what you're doing. It really is important. So when you've got a, a good plan, you got a good story, and you've got the, if you will, the the right material, you're going to get the right people involved. And and I'll tell you, as, as a PM, you know, the things I look for and I tell my folks is let me know when I need to build a bridge or knock down a wall, right? Beyond that, just keep running. And these folks, not only did they run, but as they ran by, they brought people with them and they, and they, they took them along for the ride, uh, vice, you know, leaving folks or doors unopened. So in the end, not only did they provide the capability to the fleet, but they did it with everyone else coming along with them, which is a big deal because in the end, you got to go back to that same well and ask for support and future capabilities or future activities that come up. So I'll tell you, that's probably the being able to execute that quickly and bring everybody along with you is probably what I'm the most proud of. When we talked about the culture of PMA 276, Colonel, you emphasized the importance of empowerment. I'd like to hear from the team. What does it mean to you to be empowered to make decisions and act? Empowerment to me means that I don't have to go ask my leadership to go do something. Empowerment to me means that I know the right person to go talk to. And while you've got to strike that balance, I know when I can go talk to that person and make a request of that person. And and I know when I shouldn't. So empowerment within bounds, I think, is the key here. Colonel Pappas has done a great job leading this team, leading the organization, empowering us to protect us. So uh, empowerment for me is feeling like I know what I need to do and just not being worried about stepping out of my swim lane in order to go execute what it is the fleet needs. And it kind of mirrors a lot of what Matt just mentioned. It's it's knowing that you don't have to be afraid to explore something or pursue it. And if you do start to drift out of your swim lane or, or maybe, you know, you're starting to get off course a little bit, Major Bressler or in my instance, Matt, or someone will come in and kind of nudge you in the right direction and go, hey, you're doing good, but maybe this. If you're doing something and you're doing something that's right, then just keep doing it. And if you need a course correct, someone along the line is going to help you out there and, and get you going the right direction. But don't be afraid just because you're the new guy or the person who is inexperienced in a particular area. Ask a couple questions and then just follow up on them and, and run with it, really. And Jim, I think that is valuable advice for all of our listeners today. Get out there. Do it. Don't be afraid. It also leads into our final question for today. What can other teams learn from your program's success? Yeah, so I guess if I could try and offer any insight or advice or comment on what 
enabled the team to find some success here is I think that for my seat, I would say being inclusive and being open is probably number one. It's a team for a reason and it's a big team and a lot of people have great ideas and a lot of great input. So to be quite frank, when this request first came in to deliver a rapid capability to the fleet, I think Jim and I had a discussion and um, my first answer was probably can't be done. Very shortly thereafter, the guys came back to the, my desk and said, you know what, we think it can and uh, and here's how. Big turning point, right, for our team was, hey, you know, we've, we've got to be inclusive, we've got to listen and we've got to buy in. I would say the other piece of advice that I think is, is probably very, very important again from my seat is being able to communicate what we're doing and the objective or the goal, right, um, in clear terms. We all have processes and we all have responsibilities and we all have things we're supposed to be doing. And when someone comes to you and says, hey, I'd like this to see this flight clearance get done or these drawings to get approved in a fast time frame, it might seem like that that request is is pushy and it's always faster, faster, faster. I think when there's a reason and we understand what that reason is, why we want to do something in a short amount of time, it's easy to understand why it's important and get the support you need. So being inclusive and being able to communicate what we're doing, I think is, is really been a couple of key aspects of what allowed us to find success here. I guess I'll just reiterate some of the stuff I talked about earlier, right? And that's empower your team and, and train them to execute and, and then let them run. For me as a program manager, looking for every different opportunity that I can take to communicate to the team what the goal is, what our vision is as a program and how we talk and execute with the fleet and reaching them individually, some through email, some through all hands voice, some through teams. We can't think that uh, as leaders that we reach everyone through a single mechanism and that every single person in the PMA, which is a team, but made up of individuals, is going to be touched the same way. You know, my recommendation is have a, a plan of how you want to execute, but think about the, call it different methodology that you can use, different methods you can use to reach your folks because I'll tell you that it's going to pay dividends when you can figure out how to reach the right folks with the right message. They run with the, the vision and goal that you got. One of the things that, that folks could learn from this is not to be afraid to try something, even if you think it might not work out. When we first looked at bringing this capability, and as Major Bressler said earlier, his first comment was, it's not going to work. And I honestly mirrored that in my own my mind. I, you know, I don't know if this is going to work either, but the more I sat and looked at it, the more I dug into it. There was a moment where I think the potential gain outweighed any kind of risk that was there. And I think my takeaway and, and advice to somebody would be, don't be afraid to try it. Just even if you, you don't think it's going to work, if it's not a mountain too big to climb, give it a shot. I mean, this paid off for us in, in a huge way. And, you know, to me, that that's awesome. It's it's great. One of the things that I've realized here sitting at this table with three currently active duty Marines and one Navy, not active duty, as the only pure civilian here, the advice that I would give to other young NAVAIR engineers is get your steel toe boots on and go sit on the flight line. Early in my career, I did that. I was lucky enough to have opportunities to be uh, hands-on the equipment, but I see a lot of very young engineers straight out of school who sit behind a desk and, and, a, and an AVAIR engineer could spend their entire career without ever stepping foot on a flight line or seeing the aircraft hands-on. And I think, I think you lose something there. You're much more responsive when you know the people you're supporting, when you know the aircraft you're supporting. When you can speak the language of the fleet who's making those requests of you, you're much more responsive and able to support them. 
And I think that is great advice to end our podcast with today. I want to thank all of you for joining us to share your knowledge and your lessons learned and for telling us how PMA 276 empowered team members to move quickly and deliver a capability to the fleet. Of course, you can hear more examples of successful behaviors for a winning culture by subscribing to the Airwaves podcast on all your favorite listening apps. And that's it for this edition of Airwaves. Thanks for listening.